Thankful to Pastor George and the leadership of Connections Church for this opportunity to be back with you. Thanks so much for playing that perfect video, the text for today. And as I was thinking about today, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on social media with Pastor George, and so I've noticed that they're having a pretty good time. So thanks for giving them a vacation. He's going to be refreshed, but I'm wondering, too, if he might be a little sore. If you're following him, you know they're riding all over the place on trails and having a great time. Now, here's the thing. I don't know if they're camping. I didn't quite get that detail, and I was going to call him and find out, but I didn't think that was very nice to call him on his vacation. Because, you see, if he were camping, I think he'd agree that while the trails might be the best part of the daytime, at nighttime, it's that night sky when you're far away from city light that is just so amazing, right? Now, some of you are campers, so you know this. You know that when you get away from the light pollution, all of a sudden the skies open up and, and you can see so much more. Well, unfortunately, I'm not much of a camper. Well, I might be, but my husband isn't into camping, right? So we don't go camping much in Colorado. But when we were in Africa a few years ago, in Botswana to be precise, we were sitting outside at an outdoor barbecue. Of course, that's another great part of camping, right? Outside. And here we are just lounging around. And then that searing African sun slipped down beyond the horizon. And we could just see barely through the palm branches. And as it got darker, and darker, and there in that village, there was no light pollution anywhere. We began to see the stars come out of the sky. We saw the Milky Way, and with the help of our friend, we saw the Southern Cross. And that was the night that Venus and Jupiter lined up with the moon, and there they were in a straight line. I learned to tell the difference between the satellites and the planets and the stars. Those satellites zip across the sky. Wow. It was an amazing experience to sit under that sky and just imagine. You know, looking at the night sky, I think it has a mystical effect on us. It brings out our inner philosopher. Because when you look at the sky and you see the moon and the planets and the stars, for most of us, it brings up those questions that started way back when we were in middle school. Who am I? Where do I fit in this great big world of ours? Am I anybody? Do I have any purpose in life? That big sky brings out those questions in us. And here's the thing. We weren't the first ones to come up with those questions. They've been asked for years and years and years. 3,000 years ago, a shepherd boy, a poet, a songwriter, who then became king, wrote a song about it. And we heard that in the video. Let me read for you again. Psalm 8, we call it. Kind of got an innocuous number name. 
But here's what that songwriter wrote. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars that you have put in place, that's when I wonder, O oh God, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Who are human beings that you would care for us? And yet, you have made them a little lower than the angels. You have crowned them with glory and honor. You've made them rulers over the works of your hands, and you put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and the animals of the field, all the fish in the sea, all them that swim the paths of the sea. And of course, it ends with that chorus. Say this with me. Oh, Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth. Sorry, I didn't give you a cue for that. Let's say it again together. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, I have a long history with this psalm, Psalm 8. Back when I was a kid and excused from church and went off to Sunday school many years ago, one of my Sunday school teachers made us memorize it. And that was great. I really, I didn't always like memorizing verses, but I was really appreciative of Mrs. Talsma because she picked a short psalm. And it's one that has stuck with me. I've always been grateful for that. So I've had that long history. And then when I got into high school, there was what was back then called a contemporary song based on Psalm 8 that went, Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And that was great, because we got to sing that contemporary song in church, and I loved it. So Psalm 8 sort of stuck with me. But here's why Psalm 8 still sticks with me. Because I think this psalm asks and answers these profound questions that not only middle schoolers, but all of us are asking. Who am I? Where do I belong in this world? Am I anybody? You know, I think very often we try to answer those questions in our own ways. And too often it ends up being somewhat inappropriate ways. I think one of the most common ways we answer that question today is we compare ourselves to others. We want to see how we measure up with others. We want to know where we fit. What we discover when we do that, though, we can skew the evidence any which way we want to. It just depends upon what we use for a measuring stick, right? So we can choose to look at people who've had life much more successful than we have. 
They have a bigger house. They have a better job. They have way more fun. At least that's what Facebook looks like to us. Maybe their kids are much better behaved than we are. And if you look at their Instagram pictures, there's not a zit on it. And when we compare ourselves that way, we find that we're not feeling so great about ourselves. We feel like failures, right? So if we want to feel better about ourselves, we just change the way we're comparing. And we find people who've maybe had life a little harder than us. They've struggled. They haven't had some of the same success. They maybe have run out of luck in some ways. Maybe they've gotten injured or hurt or things have happened to them. And look, we want to feel compassionate and we sort of think that's what we're doing, but deep down we're also just maybe feeling just a little bit smug about ourselves compared to them. And we go about life in this really unhealthy seesawing back and forth between feeling like schmuck because we have decided to compare ourselves to this group of people or feeling good about ourselves because of a different comparison. And we know it's not healthy to go back and forth between those crazy comparisons. And then along comes something like soulmate. And I like soulmate because it brings balance to that crazy seesawing. Just about that time that I'm starting to feel like <laughs> I'm really something. I take a look at the night sky and I see the grandeur of God's creation and I go, whoa, whoops. Who am I compared to that? And on those days that I'm feeling like a worm, Psalmate comes along and says, wait, 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 wait. You were made in the image of the creator and crowned with glory and honor, and you've been given responsibility to steward all of creation. Wake up. It brings balance to these crazy feelings that we get out of whack with. You see, when King David was wondering this question, who are we, he, he wasn't comparing himself to other people. I mean, after all, you've got to remember, he's king. Who's there for him to compare himself to, right? When he's shepherd boy, yeah, he's in the bottom of the heap. When he's king, he's way above everything. So he doesn't compare himself to other people. He compares himself to the night sky. Can you imagine him either out in the field as the shepherd boy or maybe he's out on the turret of his castle? Either one. And he looks into the sky and he sees this glowing orb and he sees the stars and he, and he looks and he says, wow, look at this creation. Look at that moon so far away. Isn't it amazing compared to that thing out in the sky? I am nothing. All right, that's pretty impressive. But, come on, people. That was 3,000 years ago. And we have come a long way since then. A very long way. Do you know this week marks 50 years 
It was July 20, 1969, when Neil Armstrong set foot on that moon, placed his feet on it and said, that's one small step for man and giant leap for mankind. Oh, yes, it is. We don't sit in the fields and look at the moon anymore. We've been on it. We have been there and done that. Look how great we humans are. But here's the thing. With every bit of technology and every advancement that we have, just as we're starting to feel smugger about ourselves and prouder than we were yesterday, all of that technology also reveals to us that there's way more out there than we ever imagined. We can't see all of it with the naked eye. But because of that technology, we now begin to see more stars, more planets, even galaxies beyond our own. Tomorrow, I'm heading to New Mexico. I'm going to consult with some churches down there. But having been there before, I happen to know that there's a small school outside of Gallup, and on the campus of that school is an unassuming bunker. And the bunker has a retractable lid, and inside that bunker is a very high-power telescope. Now, it's in the perfect location. Because like I said, it's outside of Gallup. It's far enough away from Gallup. There's no ambient light. And it's on a flat plane. So the telescope can look from horizon to horizon the whole way. It can follow the entire night sky. Pretty amazing. In fact, it's such a powerful telescope, and it's so popular with people that there's a university in Michigan that sends students every spring every fall, and these college students look through the telescope and take pictures. And I'm going to show you some of those pictures. I mean, it's one thing for NASA to send us pictures. It's another thing for those satellites out there, or for maybe you to see them in a published book because, oh, you know, maybe they faked them. These are college students' real pictures of our universe. Let's take a look. Here's this first one. Oh, I love the name, Running Man Nebula. That was taken just last spring. In fact, I think these are all from last spring. And the distance away there, you can see the light years. Rosetta Nebula. Isn't that pretty? Look at how the gases are creating color among all of those stars. Another one? Oh, I love this one. It looks like pieces of a heart all connected together. This is our sky, people. This is out there. It's gorgeous. Oh. The Whirlpool Galaxy. I saw a picture of this seven years ago, and it was on a different tilt at that time. So here's somebody else's gorgeous picture of our whirl the Whirlpool Galaxy. Yeah, and just this last one here. Doesn't that look like a whale? Can you see the whale swimming through the sky? A whale galaxy out there. Next time you're out in the sky, take a peek. You won't be able to see it, but in your mind's eye, remember, how beautiful this sky is. And maybe, maybe start to feel a little bit more 
like David did. Now we're putting this into our perspective. As he felt about the moon, and of course we are, who cares about the moon anymore? We've been there. We start to see the grandeur of God in this. No, you're still feeling like, I got this thing, I got this universe. Well, let's put this into perspective. Here's our planets. Look at Earth. Isn't Earth beautiful and big? Next to some of the other planets around us, look, it's still got Pluto up there. That's just a dwarf planet. But we who live on Earth, humanity, the crowned with glory and honor kind of people, the power people, right? We live on this, oops, look what happens to Earth when you compare it differently. Here we are to Jupiter and Saturn. Earth, if you can't see, is in the front row on the left, tiny little marble. So what happens, though, when we reach beyond our planets, and look at our sun. This is Earth, third from the right, in comparison to our sun. You knew the sun was bigger than Earth, right? But did you know it was that much bigger? So now you're thinking, yes, that is how big the universe is. Nope. Take a look what happens when we compare our sun, that's that little tiny orange ball on the left, with Arcturus. That's another star out there. Well, that must be about it. Oh, no, we're going to go one more. Look at Arcturus way down there and Antares. Antares, 700 times bigger than Earth's own sun. Folks, wow, this is what we live in. When we speak of an amazing creator, God, we say, oh, look, Lord, the stars and the moon. It's way beyond what we can even see or touch or feel. This is the grandeur of God. And yet we tend to sing. You know this song. You might sing it along with me when you uh, hear what I'm singing. Twinkle, twinkle. What? Little, little star? Are you kidding me? There is nothing little about these massive bodies of flaming gas that are out there. And folks, they had to be put in place by an even bigger God, right? Wow. Great, big universe. Teeny, tiny people. Wow. When we get it, when we really get it, that's when we ask, oh my, well then, who am I? How in the world do I fit? And where in the world could I ever fit in that grandeur? Psalm 8. Psalm 8 allows us to ask that question when we feel so puny, but it doesn't let us sit there, right? It reminds us, again, that in the vastness and the scope of God's power and majesty, we are still created in his image. We are crowned with glory and honor 
And when I wonder, who am I? God says, you are who I say you are. I am who God says I am. And God says throughout Scripture, but especially here in Isaiah, you are mine. I have made you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have bought you with a price. I created you with gifts and talents. I have made you and shaped you for my glory and my honor. You belong to me. You are mine. Oh, sure, God says, I made a most incredible universe. And I really hope that you enjoy studying every last bit of it, from microbiology to macrobiology, from the tiniest amoeba to the greatest stars. Because in studying and seeing all of that, you're just going to know more and more about me and my grandeur. But God says this, of all the fabulous, marvelous things that I have done and made in this world, the best things all revolve around you. Imagining you, creating you, walking alongside of you, loving you, rescuing you, forgiving you, planning a life for you. You see, right in the middle, in Psalms, songs that David wrote, almost the, mo the most important part of them is usually right in the middle. And right in the middle of Psalm 8, David tells us what's going on. God is mindful of us. With all the other creation that's out there, God is mindful of us. Do you have water for me? Thanks. We wonder who we are, but we are who God says we are. And God says, I am mindful of you. God thinks about us. God remembers us. God puts us in front of his, himself all the time to see what's going on in our lives, to listen to our prayers, to address our needs. He knows us. And so, folks, all these comparisons that we do with other people, this is totally irrelevant. We are not who they say we are. We are who God says we are. Maybe that's what you needed to hear today. Maybe you hear in this message something that you need today. I mean, for a few of us, maybe we came here feeling pretty good about ourselves. You know, we got things going well. We've been blessed. We're thankful for that. We put it that way. But we're also feeling maybe a little proud. And if in some really gentle and kind way you have seen your place in this universe and know that you're still not that huge compared to what else God's got out there, 
maybe it's allowed you to recognize the humility that we need to approach the Lord with. And yet at the very same time, I'm guessing that those same people and maybe even more of us are feeling like I, I just have no idea who I am. And I always feel like there's, everybody thinks I might be successful and I'm trying to fake it on Facebook, but it's not working real well. And I'm not feeling that great about myself. I hope you are hearing today that God is mindful of you. It's awesome to hear. To leave here today with a healthier, balanced sense, a truer sense of who we are, that'd be great. But it wouldn't be enough. By the way, thank you. It would not tell the whole story of soulmate. So what's that other piece? You see, here's the thing. God is mindful of me. It's true. God's mindful of you and of you, of each one of us. But it's not just about us. Airports have a funny effect on me. And I recognized it again last night when I was picking up my daughter at DIA. All those crowds of people coming and going. And they're just bumping into each other. Everybody's around. They're carrying suitcases. They're sitting there doing work before they get on the plane. Then there's those, tu those metal tubes that are sitting there at every concourse filled with people. More those tubes that are filled with people, and you wonder to yourself, where are all those people going? Who are they? Where are they headed? Right? And maybe even like me, if you're in a hurry in the airport on the concourse, you're wondering to yourself, why are all these people in my way? Why do they have to be here today? Okay, maybe you don't get that same feeling at the airport. Maybe it happens to you when you're out on C-470 or I-25. Right? Do you hear yourself say, what are all these cars doing out here today? Where are all these people going? Well, here's a little trick that Psalm 8 teaches us. You know what? Every one of those cars out on that busy highway that are in your way, my way, they are filled with people who have real stories, People who have individual needs and cares in this life. And you know what? God is mindful of every one of them, too. All those people in the airport that bother me, that get in my way, oh, every one of them has a story. And while, yes, God is mindful of me, I learned that about Psalm 8. I learned that in church, and I'm now carrying that in my life, that God loves me so much, he crowned me with honor and glory. Guess what? God is also mindful of all of those other people. Wow. Ever thought about it that way? We are so good at thinking about our own lives really hard for us sometimes to realize that these same thoughts that Almighty God has for us 
God has for others. You see, we're not the only ones asking, who am I? Where do I belong? Because that person in the car next to you, at that moment, they might not be asking that, but sometime in their life, they're asking the same question. The person waiting to get on an airplane to their next business meeting or maybe a family vacation that they're going to meet up with a brother-in-law they just don't like too much or maybe it's a group of people and you can tell they're probably heading to a funeral. Who knows? Deep down, they're also asking, is there any purpose? Why am I here? How do I belong? The thing is that they've never heard that there is an almighty, all-powerful, all-sovereign, all-loving God who created the universe, who's got his eye and his mind on them. And they need to hear that. You see, as we begin to think not only of ourselves, but of all of those around us, we begin to love the things that God loves. And that's been God's desire all along. Rather than comparing ourselves with others, we are mindful of them in the same way that God is mindful of us. Now, I heard that phrase from a pastor, Mark Rawls, and this is exactly the way he said it, if you can remember this. In a nutshell, I think what Psalm 8 suggests is this. Our Creator is mindful of each one of us. And we, who are made in the image of God, are called to be mindful of one another. We should be mindful of what God is mindful of, and God's mind is full of all his people all whom he created, all whom he loves. You see, we point at the heavens and say, oh God, we love you, we worship you, you are amazing, creator. And God says, thank you, that's the way it should be, offer me praise and honor and glory. But people, God points right back down at us and he says, my people, as I have loved you, so love one another. That's our call from this missional Psalm 8. I'm going to invite the band back up here, as I just want to remind us as we think about. Because you've heard this all before, to love your neighbor. But have you heard of it in these terms of remembering that God is mindful of your neighbor? And if you think about God's mindfulness, you know that it's not just a passing thought. God's mindfulness of us is full of action. God's mindfulness is something that changes our lives because he does something. He meets our needs. He listens to us. He knew what we needed before we even knew it. And while we were yet sinners, he came down and rescued us. That's his kind of mindfulness. And as we remember to be mindful of God's people, may we also be the kind of people who put our mindfulness into action 
listening well to people, offering words of comfort and hope and peace in a world that offers so little of that, offering invitation to a place where they can hear and know that they are loved by the creator of the universe. You see, around us are people asking, who am I? Where do I belong? And I'm just wondering this week for all of us, will we be mindful of them? I pray we will. Let's pray together. Oh, God of the universe, God of stars and sky and moon and planets, you are beyond our comprehension. Oh, forgive us, Lord God, for the times when we make you too small so you can fit in our back pockets. May we remember how amazingly huge you are. And even if it does make us feel small for a moment, Lord, thank you. <laughs> you are stronger and wiser and holier than anything we can imagine. And you show it to us in the grandeur of creation. But thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us feeling like nothing. That in your gracious mercy and power and thoughtfulness, you are mindful of us. Oh, now, oh God, I ask your blessing upon Connections Church, this missional place that is seeking to tell the rest of their community about God's love. Help each one of us, oh God to be mindful of the things you're mindful of. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.